five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA. I got some good background stuff for you today. I think it'll make you think. Let's get over to the news. Right off the bat, this is a really interesting one. Uh, Dole Pineapple teamed up with St. Luke's, I think it's in London, uh, to basically illustrate a problem in the UK. Here we go. I think we'll just start with it. So by pressing and distilling fruit, we've created posters that not only reveal malnutrition facts, but more importantly contain a higher amount of vitamins than some of the foods we choose to eat. Malnutrition facts. They put them next to vending machines. I think it's clever. <laughs> then your average it does side make you of fries. Think for a second, doesn't it? When you've got a poster that has more nutrients than the food that we eat. <laughs> more than a whole pack of chocolate digestives. How we live our lives, especially in the city, it's very difficult to more really than find chicken, the time to read. More than a chicken nugget. Movies. Everyone should know what we have in our food. I think that's actually really terrifying. Malnutrition. Looking at this, people need to be more aware of what to our bodies. <laughs> okay, get involved. Does it change the facts, Dole? So what this proves is that print doesn't have to be junk mail or junk food. I should title this talk with that, right? I wrote to ask, and uh, and she's she's great. So I I think I commented on her on her uh, site, which is you know really awesome. So anyway, let's get over to the article. And uh, Dole created ink made from fruit to create print to print posters that are more nutritious than junk food. Or junk mail. <laughs> okay, so let's get up here so I can see it. In Britain, 3 million people are affected by malnutrition, mainly due to the lack of nutrients in the food. The UK eats more junk food than any other country in Europe. So Dole teamed up with St. Luke's in London to spread the word, and the concept St. Luke's came up with is very brilliantly hard-hitting. They created ink from fruit and printed posters with this ink, making the posters more nutritional than whatever junk food was available nearby. Yeah, I I don't know if they needed to personalize it quite to that level, but they did, you know. just makes each poster quite a bit more expensive. I don't know. Is there digital digitized screen print? It looked like they were using old school screen print equipment. Um, I don't know. Maybe the screens are produced now digitally and, and inexpensively anyway so quite an interesting quite an interesting uh show and always we get adlan gets us some really interesting stuff from around the world so thank you for that um think advisor this was an interesting article older ltci which is which is um long-term care insurance independent long-term care okay what they're trying to do is help people not be 
continually cared for but actually get going on their own, I think. Uh, and what they found was is that people didn't necessarily want someone to come visit, but they were interested in talking on the telephone. My, my fan has lost a bearing or something. So it chirps now. And uh, we got to get a better fan. we got to get a new fan. So the fan lost a bearing. Anyway, we'll cut that out in the podcast version. Podcasts are available every day down at WDMA.org. Um, and they're not even in the member section. They're just right up in the open. Okay, so they might not want you to come visit, but they might be interested in talking to you on the telephone, especially with COVID. Okay, and... Um, They're more open to participating in online surveys, video, and phone-based data collection efforts. Older adults actually want to speak with us, and for longer durations, in part due to the feeling of isolation. And, you know, that's, you know, a lot of catalogers, (laughs) their main market is, you know, way over 65. And uh, it's, and some of them have tried getting rid of the call center, and um, it's, you know, partly because people will just call up to, to chit chat, and uh, you know that's I don't know. You know that may not hit your bottom line properly. I mean, it may be more expensive than you like, but I think it's a it's a it's a sad but important facet of what we do, talking to the elderly, and um, you know it's not always about closing the sale, but you know, training helps. You know, there are ways to get off the phone gently. Um, but but don't be in too big a rush to get off the phone. That's what I wanted to say about that article. Okay, this is an article I've been wanting to get to uh, from Konstantin Yurovich. And what I really liked about the article was the headline. Data-driven attribution models still lead to gut decisions. And the... The the discussion in this article, and again, the articles are available at WDMA.org every day, all marked up. Uh, the article gets into all different kinds of models, attribution models. But the fact is, you know, and, and maybe I'll post this article along with it. Um, there's, I think it was called Drowning in Data. It's an old article I wrote back when we started having the computer power and drive space to store a lot of stuff. Um, But the fact is that all data is historical. All data is the past. And so when you model, when you do predictive modeling, okay, what you're really doing is you're, you're analyzing the the past. Um, We're, we're able to use hundreds of variables and understand some of their impact. Okay. I won't say all of their impact, there's always surprises. In fact, our system is tuned for surprises. But nevertheless, it isn't predicting the future. It's telling you what happened in the past. And then your job is to interpret that into the future. And no matter how much you hear stories of real-time data, tomorrow will be like yesterday, except if it isn't. Which means that no matter how you build your attribution, it's always historical. It's always what happened yesterday. And what happened yesterday might match tomorrow, but tomorrow has a slippery way of not matching, okay? And 
You know, humans have this peculiar sense of time that if you speed it up a little bit or you slow it down a little bit, you know, we really can't tell what's going on at all. We have, we have, this, we have this way of looking at the world, our time perception, where we sort of flow through it. And it is in some ways very, very miraculous and taken for granted. But we're able to we're able to live in the future. We're able to envision the future. We're able to work toward goals, and we're able to sacrifice in the now for a better future. And that's something very, very unique, I think, to humans, at least in our experience on this planet. Um, there are other intelligent species, but we're not sure that they can they can goal set and 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 think about the future at the same level. So we need to be really, really careful when we, when we hype the machine learning and the predictive modeling and we convince people that we can see the future with this magic ball, uh, which we call a computer. And because no matter what, there's, all, there's never enough data to make a decision. That's one of the, one of the other <laughs> sort of intermediate headlines in the article. I'll try to dig that up and post it over on WDMA.org. And so Constantine is right, but he thinks if we just change the rules, <laughs> I don't know who's, somebody's posting on my YouTube art, on my YouTube channel <laughs> that there's hot girls over there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't get that very often. I don't get that kind of comments like ever. So it's funny when it happens. I'll have to deal with it later. At least someone's commenting, right? <laughs> okay, marketers track the results the best they can, but unreliable tooling means they end up making gut decisions. What's the cure for this? I'm not going to read Constantine's article that much. Sorry about that. You can, like I said, you can you can go download it or you can find a link uh, over there. The alternative is creating is using the scientific method. The scientific method says, okay, we're going to, we've, uh, we've observed something. You know, we've observed that we have a different kind of customer in the spring than the fall. You know, I've seen it over and over and over because one of the things we do is seasonal modeling. So we model last year's spring versus just the last most recent mailing because the customers are different, very, very different oftentimes in spring versus fall. Um, and, and sometimes better, sometimes worse. You know, we've done gardening, we've done, uh, we've done needlepoint, and we've done gift, you know, gift giving, and we've done business to business, and that can change dramatically. Even I've seen a 180 degree shift in geodemographics in business in a business to business client, which is a case study that I've talked about. Anyway, so we look at the past, and we see things because. Some modeling systems can see things, can be set up to understand what's going on a little bit, at least see the important variables that are popping up. And so then we, 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 we take those observations and we say, well, this is what we think is happening. We create a hypothesis. And then what we do is design an experiment to test that. And we test, we try to isolate, we try to keep everything else the same. So you saw earlier in the week, we talked about testing and, and I showed you this catalog cover that was almost identical. 
the test and the control were almost identical. But the hypothesis was that people didn't understand they could put their imprint on our products. That that was the whole point. They didn't understand that. They were thinking that we were selling corporate merchandise. And they weren't those corporations, so they didn't weren't interested. And so we put your imprint here on those items on the cover. All That's the only thing we did. Uh, the rest of the catalog was was unchanged, and we saw a 40% increase in 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 response rate, revenue, profitability. You know, it was consistent. Uh, and so that hypothesis was they didn't know what was going on. The test was designed to as 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 completely as possible isolate that one variable, so nothing else changed, and all the lists were split A B. So the the audience was the same. It was a 600,000 piece test, so it was, you know, plenty of of confidence interval at the end, and that's the way you that's the way you see the future. You see the future not by by measurement. You know, measurement just tells you on today today this day this this was better than that. This beat control. If you don't have a hypothesis, if you haven't designed the test to answer that question, to isolate causal variables, then you don't, you don't have an explanation for what's going on. And without explanation and repeated testing, you don't have theory. And theory, theory is the piece that gets you from the past to the future. You say, well, when, when I drop this pencil or pen, it falls. Now, now, now we'll try and get the theory of the theory of gravity. Uh, right. Well, I don't know. I know the acceleration, but you can say, well, it, you know, in a vacuum, it always drops the same and stuff like that. But, um, but that's what the way science works. You know, they try it in a vacuum. They try it without a vacuum. They say, oh, okay, this is how it works. And you know, we try, we continually try to isolate the causal variables. But I see marketers ignoring this entire concept. They they just think that they can, you know. Try A, and then a couple weeks later, try B, and if it improves, then, you know, we try C. And we just keep trying things. And you know what? We never get any smarter. And then we are left with mountains of data and gut decisions. And that's what's really going on in our marketing world today. And I've been committed to trying to help marketers understand what they need to do to actually look into the future to actually improve, continuous improvement. And yet the world loves articles like this. <laughs> you know, and I'm not blaming Constantine for it. He probably has a company that does an excellent job. It's a very long article, long, long. It's a very good summary of all the different kinds of, mo of attribution models that there could be. But you know what? When you're all done, unless you set up field valid scientific experiments all you have is data and it's all historical and you can't get to the future by looking at the past unless you have applied the scientific method unless you've done the discipline i don't even think they teach that to marketers pretty sure they don't but accidentally my background is philosophy of science <laughs> And epistemology, how do we know? You want to know for sure? You have to test. And you have to set up the test properly in the context of the scientific method. I'm John Miglosh. 
like and share. I think your friends will think you're smart. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, don't like, don't like, just share, share it. Have a great day. Bye-bye.